As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. I know you're not clapping for me, you're clapping for the courage for all of those people to share their stories. Each of them have a freedom of Christ in Christ's story. What's your freedom in Christ's story? If you're a believer, you have a freedom story. How would you summarize your freedom story in a sentence? In six words. Jesus set me free from fill in the blank. Well, we conclude our series today, uh, Finding Freedom. We are seeking to overcome common struggles in Christ. How many of you uh, struggle? We all struggle in many ways, right? Honestly, in church, we all struggle in many ways. Our struggles, our struggles might be different, but our struggle is the same. And so we've devoted the first seven weeks of 2023 to finding freedom from unhealthy patterns of thinking and living that are hurting ourselves hurting others, and hurting our relationship with God. So again, what is your freedom story? We're going to end this series, we're going to end this service with giving you an opportunity to come to a mic at the front to share your freedom story in a sentence. Your freedom story might be real time. It might be connected to this series. Your freedom story might be an area of freedom in your past. What is your freedom story? How would you summarize it? Maybe this chart helps you to think about your freedom story. Can you identify with any of these struggles? Jesus set me free from. Jesus is setting me free from. I look at this list, I can identify with almost every struggle that's on that list. That Jesus has set me free from guilt, shame, regret, condemnation, self-condemnation. He set me free from resentment, revenge, bitterness. Jesus is setting me free from anger, anxiety, worry, fear, fear of man, pride. The list could go on and on. Again, what is your freedom in Christ's story? How would you summarize your story in six, seven, eight words? See, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a freedom story. If you don't have a freedom story, are you saved? Has Christ changed you at all? If you don't have a freedom story, are you deceived by your own self-righteousness? If you don't have a freedom story, are you lying to yourself? Why would we have people come up at the end of this service and say in a microphone their freedom story? Well, we would do it for two reasons. One is that to help people know that they're not alone in their struggle. And the second thing, and probably more importantly, is to solidify your own freedom story by verbalizing your freedom story. So whether you're new here in our church or whether you're an elder in our church, We have a freedom story. We'd love to hear your freedom story at the end of this service. Would I be crazy to think that 100 people could come forward and share their story today? So think about what's my freedom story. We'll give you an opportunity at the end of this message.
The title of this message is Freedom for Others. If you have a copy of God's Word, whether it's physical or digital, I encourage you to open it up to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 1 and 2. And as you're turning to Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, let's do a quick review if this is a summary of our series. We started this series on January 1st, New Year's Day, and we looked at our theme verse for the series. The theme verse for the series is John 8, 31 and 32, that if you abide in his word, then you are truly his disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We talked about the steps to freedom on New Year's Day. There's three steps. It's a chain reaction that leads to a change reaction. It starts with abiding in the word, then we know the truth, and then we are set free. So reverse engineer that. If we want to be set free, if we want to experience freedom, then we need to know the truth. And how do we know the truth? Well, we need to abide in the word. Much like a compass always points you to true north, God's word points us to the truth. And when we abide in the word and we know the truth, then we can be set free. Set free from what? We've talked about being set free from fear, set free from foolishness, set free from despair, set free from anger. And the key that unlocks a lot of these struggles, if you were with us last week, is forgiveness. And so last week, we talked about freedom through forgiveness. And again, the title of this message is Freedom for Others. So if you have a copy of God's word, let's look at it together. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Brothers, if any of you is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Do you see that there's two groups of people in these two verses? There's those who are struggling and then those who are suffering. Those who are struggling are struggling with an unhealthy pattern of thinking and living that's hurting themselves, hurting others, hurting their relationship with God. They're struggling. And what is our response? What does Galatians 6.1 tell us that we're to do with those who are struggling? We're to restore the struggling. But then verse two talks about those who are suffering, those who are going through hardship, those who are going through difficulty, those who are having a challenging season in their life, they are suffering. What is it, what is our response to those who are suffering? We're to support the suffering. So there you have it, that's the message. Restore the struggling, support the suffering. Let's do a deep dive into these two things today. So first we see restore the struggling, Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if any of you is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. There's so much right here in these words. So let's take it one word at a time. Brothers or sisters. What Paul is doing is Paul is writing to the believers, he's writing to Christians, to the brothers and sisters in the Galatian church, a historic church. These words, Galatians 6.1, are applicable and authoritative for us here today. Every believer at High Point Church, this verse is for us today, brothers. If anyone, 
I did a deep, rigorous, exegetical study of the Greek word anyone this week. Anyone means anyone. It's you, it's me, it's us. We all struggle in many ways. It's anyone who struggles. If anyone is caught, it's less about being caught in terms of being found out, it's being caught as in stuck. Like, a, like an animal in a trap, like a fly on a spider's web, caught. If anyone is caught in any transgression, that's a really big word, what is transgression? Transgression is sin. And notice Paul doesn't talk about a specific sin, he says any sin, so any pattern of sin. Do we understand here today at church that sin is a trap? Like bait to a fish, we are lured by our desires and we think that sin is going to satisfy. And so we take the bait and then we're hooked. And then we're trapped. Sin is always over promise and under deliver. Am I not speaking truth to church today? So if anyone is caught in any transgression, or any sin, you who are spiritual, it sounds like we're being self-righteous. It's not that at all. It's, is the Holy Spirit living inside of you? Or are you walking in the Spirit? You who are a Christian, if someone is struggling with sin, you have a job to do. You who are spiritual should condemn him. I thought I would get a better reaction, a bigger reaction at the nine o'clock service today. You who are spiritual should condemn him. No, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You who are spiritual should enable him. No. You who are spiritual should do what? Restore. So there's two things that we need to do. Can you see this here? First, we need to restore in a spirit of gentleness, not harshness, not condemnation, not shame, but gentleness. Grace, love, mercy. And then the second thing is to keep watching yourself lest you too be tempted. So be on guard so that you don't begin to struggle with the same thing that the person that you're trying to help get unstruggled from, you're struggling with. Does that make sense? So let's do a double click. I love it that Pastor Ron's here in the front row today. Pastor Ron would say double click on restore. What does the word restore mean? Restore is actually a medical term. It's a medical term for resetting a dislocated bone. To know me is to know that I'm a runner and I love to run. I love to run in new places. I love to run on vacation. And so a few years ago, Camille and I were with the kids in New York City. And so I decided to go for a run at night on the streets of lower Manhattan. That's right. Did you catch that? <laughs> go for a run at night on the streets in lower Manhattan. I'm running south, oblivious to the fact that a bicyclist was coming 20 miles an hour towards me north. He and I didn't see each other until our eyes were like this. He flipped over his handlebars. I, th I was thrown onto the sidewalk about 10 feet and I laid there on the ground. I was in so much pain. 
I wasn't in pain all over my body. I had one part of my body that was throbbing that was causing pain throughout my whole body. My pinky finger was pointed this way. So there, on the sidewalk, at night, in the dark, on the streets of lower Manhattan, I pulled my right pinky. It was so painful already. I pulled it and I let go. It popped back into place and it was restored. The swelling didn't go down for about a month. I didn't get flexibility in my finger for many more months. My pinky was in pain. I inflicted more pain, but it wasn't a punitive pain. It was a purposeful pain that led to healing, that led to my finger being restored. That illustration is the same of what we can do for those who are struggling. Is that we can restore them. The pain isn't a punitive pain. The pain is a purposeful pain with the goal of restoration. Restoration of what? Restoration of their relationship with God. Restoration of family. Restoration of marriage. Restoration of dignity. Restoration of purpose and direction in life. You see, if we don't enable and we don't condemn, we can restore. Can we just... Pause for a moment and just admit that the church has been terrible at this point. Talk about the church. I'm not talking about our church. I'm just talking about the church in general. How many people go to church They hide their struggles. They never find freedom from their struggles because they fear a greater pain. The greater pain of shame and condemnation. May that not be true of High Point Church. May we be a church where people can be honest with themselves so they can be honest with God so they can be honest with others. May we be a church where we can be authentic, honest, transparent, and vulnerable about our struggles. And may we be met not with condemnation and shame, but may we be met with gentleness and grace. Truth, yes, but with the goal, with the goal of restoring the struggling. That's what I want for our church. I want to model that, but our church will never be that way if it's just me and Pastor Ron and Pastor CJ. Our church will only be that way if we are all committed to doing that. So can we commit to doing this? Is that the kind of church you want to be? So we're talking about restoring the struggling. How do we restore the struggling? Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 gives us a blueprint for this is that we need to speak the truth in love. Perhaps you're familiar with this verse. Ephesians four fifteen. it says this. It says that we're to speak the truth in love so that uh, someone's gonna get the slide. 
so that we can build each other up in fullness in Christ. So this verse is talking about what is our, um, what is, do we not have that slide? Our message, our message is truth, our manner is love, the method in which we do it is speaking, and then our motive, what's our motive? Our motive is to help others become like Christ. Does that make sense? So what is the method that we help people restore? We do so by speaking. Well, what is the message? We speak truth, but what's the manner in which we speak truth? We speak it in love, and then what's our motive? Our motive is to help others to become like Christ. So think about this, that truth minus love is condemning, right? That love minus truth is enabling, but truth plus love is restoring. That Jesus models this for us, that Jesus was full of grace and full of truth. That Jesus didn't need to dial down the grace to dial up the truth. He didn't need to dial down the truth to dial up the grace. He was 100% grace in truth. What is your tendency here today? Are you a grace person or a truth person? Grace people are driven by compassion. Truth people are driven by conviction. Both are needed. What are you? You need to raise your hand, one or another. Audience participation, here we go. Are you more of a grace person or a truth person? And if you didn't raise your hand, you need to understand it. You need to have some self-awareness and some self-assessment. You need to understand that we're gonna lean one way or another. And so if you are a grace person, you need to make sure that you're adding truth and you're not just enabling if you're a truth person, you need to season it with salt so that you're not just condemning. Does that make sense? And so Jesus is the perfect example of this. We don't see a better example of this in Jesus than in John chapter eight. You might know the story that the Pharisees found a woman caught in adultery. Can you just imagine that the Pharisees, what are they doing catching a woman in bed and dragging her out into the city square? Probably just wrapped in a bed sheet. And can you imagine just the shame, the humiliation, the embarrassment that she felt in this public square, everyone looking at her. What about the guy? What happened to the guy? Usually in an affair, there's two people involved, right? Why only focus on her? There's this like circus that's going on and what does Jesus do? It's fascinating. Jesus doesn't address the woman at first. Who does he first address? The Pharisees, the self-religious. He says, you who are without sin cast the first stone and one by one they began to drop their stones older to younger and they walked away. And then there was this really tender moment with Jesus and this woman. Maybe Jesus got down on a knee if she's on the ground. Jesus said to her, woman, where are your accusers? She looks and they're gone. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Grace, neither do I condemn you. Truth, 
go and sin no more. It wasn't truth minus love, which is condemning. It wasn't love minus truth, which was enabling, continued on your, with your lifestyle. But it was truth in love, grace and truth. This is the perfect example of what we're talking about today, restoring the struggling. But don't get lost in the details of the story. I think it's easy to look at a woman caught in adultery and like, that's not me. Didn't we all just admit that we all struggle in many ways? Our struggle might be different, but our struggle is the same. And so maybe you have a loved one and their struggle isn't that of adultery, but it's something else. We need to respond in the exact same way with the purpose of restoring the struggling. Before we move on, I need to say this, that you can't help someone unless they want to be helped. Did you get that? That if you want to help someone and they don't want to be helped, it's only going to lead to frustration. It's going to lead to frustration in yourself and it's going to lead to frustration in the other person. You're going to be frustrated because the other person isn't listening. The other person's going to be frustrated because you're uh, trying to change them and they don't want to be helped. So if you have a loved one who is struggling but they don't want help, you need to do three things. Jot this down. You need to pray persistently. You need to love unconditionally. You need to hope continually. The story isn't over. That God loves that person more than you love that person. God's more concerned about his or her faith than you're concerned about it. And so you want to maintain a relationship. Don't sever the relationship because the moment that you sever the relationship, you don't have influence. So you need to pray persistently, love unconditionally, and then hope continually. So Galatians chapter six, verse one, it's talking about restoring the struggling. Galatians six, verse two, it's talking about the suffering and that we are to support the suffering. So let's look at verse two. What does verse two have to say? It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So let's look at this again, word by word, bear one another's burdens. Uh, This means to support. Some translations say to carry Uh, one another's burdens. One another, this is community, that uh, we need each other. Turn to your person next to you and say, I need you. Turn to someone else and say, you need me. (laughs) That we need each other. That this is the body of Christ operating together, that we need each other. And if you are here and you're like, I don't need others, You need others, and others need you. And we need to bear one another's burdens. We'll come back to that in a moment, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? It's the great commandment. It's to love God and to love others. How many of you want to love God and love others? We all want to love God and love others, right? Well, how do we do that? Well, we do so by bearing one another's burdens. Well, what are some of the burdens uh, that we can bear? Well, let's think about some of these burdens We can bear emotional burdens. People are grieving. People have guilt. People have discouragement. People have regret. People have emotional burdens. People have relational burdens. A relational strain, marital conflict, parenting challenges, family wounds. There's relational burdens. There's physical burdens. A medical diagnosis, an illness, an injury 
a chronic pain, physical burdens, financial burdens, a loss of job, a loss of income, um, not being able to pay the bills, medical bills, financial burdens. People have spiritual burdens. Angry at God, distant from God, doubt, complacency, church hurt, spiritual burdens. Lots of other burdens, right? I'm carrying a lot of burdens. Wish I had a brother like CJ that would come up on the platform and help me <laughs> carry these burdens. Yeah. Look at this. Here, why don't you know you can help me with this? Right here. Yeah. Let's carry it together. Let's carry it together. So, isn't this? Here, put your hands underneath. This is heavy. So, um, here you go. There you go. We didn't practice this. There you go. No, 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 no. I don't want you to take it all because we're, what we're doing is we're sharing this. Does this make sense? So now the load is lighter because we're sharing it. You notice that you can't carry someone's burdens at a distance. If you stay in your seat, you're not carrying someone's burdens. You got to get out of your seat. And then as CJ's up here carrying this burden with me, He's loving me, because this is heavy. But he's also loving God, because he's doing what God's called him to do. So here at High Point, we say get out of rows and get in a circle, because we want to grow in community, want to grow relationally and spiritually with one another, that we want to be able to carry one another's burdens. So here, let's put this back. So we carry one another's burdens. Here at High Point, we desire to be a church of mutual ministry. It's caring people, caring for people. Who wants to be a caring person? Is it possible to be a caring person and not be caring for people? No, we want to be a caring person. The way to be a caring person is to care for people. I love this verse that says in Romans 1.12 that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That's the mutual ministry, that we're carrying one another's burdens together. Well, how do we talk about this in a really practical way that we can all understand? Maybe this uh, list will help you. Practical ways to support the suffering. Prayer. Pray for someone, but also pray with someone. Don't just say, oh, I'll pray for you. No, stop right then and there. Let's pray together. Pray for and pray with presence. You may be like, well, I don't know what to say. Probably what you're going to say isn't helpful. But just being there is helpful. The ministry of presence. Serving. Being available, offering to serve. Don't say to someone, how can I help you? That doesn't help the person. Think about this. If someone's going through something that's just overwhelming, what you're doing by asking that question is you're adding another plate to their plate that is already full. And so just observe. Do something practical to help, to serve, to encourage. A word of encouragement. You can write a handwritten note. You can share a scripture. to a gift. 
A gift could be a gift card. It could be a meal delivered. It could be flowers, a gift, and then rally other people to be a part of that. So let's just think about this. If there's someone in your life, someone in your group, someone at work, someone in your life who they have a loved one that just passed away. Just let's think about this down this grid. What can you do? I don't know what to do. Well, can you pray? Can you set aside what you're going to do that evening and go to a wake and just be present? Can you offer to care for the kids? Can you write a handwritten note and write some words of comfort? Could you send flowers? Could you rally other people to care for this person so it's not just you caring for this person? You can think about hundreds, if not thousands, of examples that you could go through this grid. So as we talk about carrying one another's burdens, I don't want us to just talk about it in some kind of uh, fictitious way, but to do so in a very practical way. And so we have a really practical way here at High Point to be able to care uh, for other people, to support those who are suffering. We have an opportunity to show and share the love of Jesus with people through a diaper. That's right, this is a diaper. That we have an opportunity to partner with our CARES ministry and to be able to provide a necessity for people and that is diapers. Here in 2023, we've made a commitment at High Point to invest in the families of our church, that there's many families in our church and in our community who are suffering. A loss of job, an illness, an injury, they're going through hardship. Do you know that our care center ministry is seeing more and more Ukrainian refugees, that the city of Chicago is the second largest settlement area for Ukrainian refugees. Many of them are making their way to our church and to our care center. Uh, people believe that 15,000 Ukrainian refugees are gonna come to DuPage County in the next, fifth, or next six months. And so we want to be able to care for people in our church as well as in our community. Obviously, we can't do everything, but we can do something. We care for spiritual needs with our Embrace Grace ministry that cares for moms who find themselves in an unexpected pregnancy. We have care center advisors. Then we also want to provide for some physical needs. Our care center says the number one need in the care center is diapers. Did you know that the average infant, the average newborn goes through 2,000 diapers in a year? Isn't that crazy? And diapers aren't cheap. And so then this is an opportunity for us to be able to come alongside of some of the families in our church and in our community who are suffering to do so in a tangible way. And so throughout the month of February, starting today and then through the rest of the month, including at Bold, bring diapers to Bold Ladies, that you can put the diapers out by the display in the lower lobby and we'll get them to families in need in our church, in our community. See, a lot of people, they think that the church is only about pro-birth and not about pro-life. That's not true at High Point. We do care for the birth of children, but we also care for their lives. And this is a practical way for us to show that 
to people. And so be a part of Neighbors Helping Neighbors Diaper Drive this month. Well, maybe you're here today and you've been tracking with this message as we've been talking about us restoring the struggling and supporting the suffering. You're like, I want to grow in that. The Galatians 6, 1 and 2, our primary verse for today is the foundation for our care and counsel training and for Hope Group. In Care and Counsel, we talk about care as an acrostic, C-A-R-E, connect, assess, respond, encourage. Connect with empathy with questions and listening. Assess, assess the uh, spiritual condition, assess heart issues, assess SOS, that respond, respond with hope. No matter the situation, there is always hope. Respond with grace and truth, and then encourage. Encourage in prayer, encourage a next step, encourage a care plan. There is a lot packed into that acrostic that we don't have time to get into today. But if you want to learn more about that, that you can uh, join me at Care and Counsel. This is a resource we've developed just in the last year to better equip our growth group leaders, our hope group leaders, our care center advisors, our marriage not group leaders to better provide care and counsel. Did you hear that, Marriage Knot? Pastor Ron and Jody have written a book, The Marriage Knot, and it's a fantastic book. God's used them across our country to restore and enrich marriages, and their heart is for our church. There's a new Marriage Knot group that's starting in 11 days on Thursday night. You can be a part of a group with Pastor Ron and Jody. They invite you to be a part of that. If you find yourself in marriage, newly married, or you've been married for a long time, but you want your marriage to be enriched or restored, every marriage needs to be enriched, right? Some marriages need to be restored that there's a place for you in the marriage and I would love to see you be a part of that. And so Care and Counsel is put together to help our leaders to better provide care and counsel, but it's open to anyone that would want to do this. That the goal of this isn't to become a clinical psychologist in four hours or less, that's not it. It's not to replace formal counseling, but it's to provide basic skills, some ministry competencies, competencies to better provide care and counsel to people. And so that's available for you. A hope group, did you know that over 200 people are part of hope group every single week? Can we just praise God for that? Over 80 people are part of it right here at this Naperville location on Wednesday nights at 6.30. And God is doing amazing things that every single week people are finding hope and freedom in Christ. This sermon series was birthed out of Hope Group over the last couple of years. Someone asked me a question this last week. They're like, is this sermon series your baby? I didn't know how to answer that question. It's not my baby in that I'm selfish and protective and prideful. But if it's my baby, was it first birthed in my heart? Yes. Just want you to know transparency. I would never have been able to preach this message, these messages two years ago. These messages are a reflection of God's sanctification in my life emotionally and spiritually. So I'm so thankful for Pastor Ron. Pastor Ron asked me back in the summer, he's like, can you bring a series to our church? So I'm so thankful for his encouragement of me in this. Thankful for his trust to share this platform and the platform at all of our locations over the last seven weeks. Maybe you didn't realize this, but we just brought Hope Group to you the last seven weeks. 
that Hope Group is not a recovery group. Get that out of your mind. The Hope Group is a discipleship group that provides support for those who are suffering and struggling. And God's doing amazing things through it. The kind of teaching that you're getting here the last seven weeks is what we experience every single Wednesday night. So if you want to grow in restoring the struggling and supporting the suffering, join us on a Wednesday night at Hope Group. Well, we talked a lot about a lot in this series, haven't we? We first discovered how is it that we discover freedom? Well, we discover freedom, find freedom first in God's word, right? And as we're in God's word, that God gives us freedom from some things. Freedom from fear, freedom from foolishness, freedom from despair, freedom from anger. And freedom comes through forgiveness. And today we talked about helping others to find freedom. Why don't we stand as we bring this message to a close? The message isn't over because it's going to continue. It's going to continue maybe not by my voice, but maybe by your voice. I said at the beginning that we're going to give an opportunity to have uh, two mics here at the front. Adam's over here. CJ is over here. You can come to them. What would you say is your freedom story? Your freedom story in a sentence. In six, seven, eight words, Jesus set me free from. I tried to model it for you that I gave you a bunch of things that Christ has set me free from. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a freedom story. If you don't have a freedom story, are you saved? Are you, has Christ really changed you? If you don't have a freedom story, are you living in deception about your own self-righteousness? Are you lying to yourself? We all have a freedom story. And so why would we have you come to the front? One is because you can encourage other people who might be struggling with the same. But more importantly, if you caught this earlier, it's to help solidify in your heart that God is at work in my life that I'm maybe not who I need to be, but I'm not who I once was. That God is setting me free from some things. So what is your freedom story? Whether you're newer in our church or you're an elder in our church, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have a freedom story. We'd love to hear your freedom story. As the worship team sings, come on up, let's move from our seats and let's come to one of these microphones and let's, end this service by sharing freedom stories with each other.